0: From Boston University and BU Alumni Relations, welcome to Proud to Be BU Around the World. I'm your host, Jeff Murphy, and this season, we're taking the podcast on the road to meet some of our most interesting and accomplished alumni navigating life and careers in cities across the globe. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome guest host, Dan Gardner, back to the podcast. Dan's my colleague on the Alumni Relations team, and he's also earning his MBA from the Questrom School of Business. Dan, thanks again for handling this great interview. Take it away.
1: Thanks for having me back, Jeff. My guest today is Karen Fishman. Karen graduated from Boston University in 2012, having earned both her bachelor's and master's degrees in economics. She was recently named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list as a trailblazer in the world of finance. She's currently vice president at Goldman Sachs, where she works as a senior economist in their global macro research group. Karen joined me on the podcast to talk about finding her passion and she shares her best advice for others who hope to do the same. All right. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being here on Proud to Be You.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
1: In the introduction to the podcast, we heard your full job title, but I'm wondering when someone approaches you at a cocktail party and asks you to explain what it is that you do for work, how do you answer them?
2: You know, I've been trying to perfect this for a while because uh, I've found in the past that sometimes it can be a bit confusing. Um, But I think really the simplest way to think about it is, you know, so I'm a senior economist uh, and I work in research and, you know, really my role is to answer questions. Uh, specifically about currency markets, but you know, as an economist, uh, can be sort of more broad than that at points as well. Usually that's done through qualitative or statistical analysis, and that's sort of the key component typically for an economist.
1: All right, that's great. And we're going to dive into all the details uh, later on in our conversation. But for the moment, I'm hoping we can rewind and look back at where you grew up. Were there any early warning signs that you might be headed for a career in research and finance?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, So I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is actually not too far uh, from BU. So Boston has been home for a really long time. But in terms of those early warning signs, so one of my two older brothers actually studied economics as well. So I had early exposure to that. Um, You know, I remember him teaching me about supply and demand curves at the dinner table, which sounds so lame, but I love it. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think. My excitement from that moment uh, was pretty clear and sort of sparked my interest uh, from the get-go. But I also loved playing logic puzzles and I still do today. And I think logic is a key component of economics uh, so that that was probably a pretty clear sign as well.
1: Tell me a little bit about your decision making process as you were thinking about college. Did you know exactly what you wanted to study? It sounds like you had a pretty good idea of where your strengths lied, maybe, but um, did you know that you wanted to pursue economics in college?
2: Yeah, I actually did, and I, I feel very grateful for that. Um, but you know, I think it's very common that that people don't. Um, but I, by the time I was applying to schools I did know that I wanted to study economics and I was actually particularly interested in BU because they have dual degree programs um, you know across uh, disciplines but particularly the one in economics where you can graduate with uh, both an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree uh, you know within four to four and a half years so that was one of the reasons why I was attracted to BU because really not a lot of other schools offer that kind of uh,
1: opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. So once you once you arrived at BU, what was your life like while you were here? You were pursuing that dual degree, so I can't imagine there was a ton of free time, but um, if you did have some free moments, what were the things that you were involved in?
2: First of all, I loved hanging out with my friends, and I have to say, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with the lasting friendships that I've made at BU. Um, You know, I just saw a few of my old roommates last weekend, uh, and most of my close friends that I still hang out with, I met freshman year uh, at BU, and I'm just so incredibly grateful that I went to BU. Um, But, you know, I worked at the student activities office for all four years of school. And that was a large chunk of my extra time outside of uh, class. Uh, That's, you know, I worked as an activities consultant, so we help student groups plan events. And it was really an amazing opportunity to see the types of interests BU students have, which is clearly uh, a diverse set. And, um, you know, I also was involved in the community service center, particularly with the FISOP programs, both freshman year and then as a staff member uh, sophomore year, uh, and then also alternative spring breaks, uh, which I also did as a coordinator freshman year as well.
1: That's great. Uh, Were there any alternative spring break trips that stood out to you?
2: You know, all of them are so great in different ways. And frankly, I went to New York City because I didn't want to drive the van, uh, which, (laughs) you know, in retrospect, maybe was a little bit of a cop-out move. But, uh, you know, still the week was an incredible, uh, an incredible one. And uh, I, you know, made one of my best friends through that.
1: All right, so tell me a little bit about your experience inside the classroom. Are there particular classes that you feel like you uh, learned lessons then that you still apply to your role today?
2: I truly loved all my classes, and not only just economic classes, but also intro to cosmology, which is, um, you know, very far from my current discipline uh, or career path. But it uh, it was really fascinating. And I really loved that I had the opportunity to take a few electives here and there as well. But, you know, one class in particular in economics that stood out was poverty and discrimination class. And I think that that was, you know, the the point of that class is really to teach you to understand the empirical analysis uh, behind these issues and, and you know it's really important to understand that to then try and tackle them. And you know that's that's something that I think has stuck with me today. That you know it really is important to track the data and make sure you understand the data to then try and find a solution or, or trying to do whatever you want to achieve.
1: So as you are thinking about your BU experience and reflecting on some of those uh, lessons that you learned inside the classroom. One of the things that is, you know, proving to be even more important today, it seems to be the the idea of internships. Uh, is that something that you pursued while you were uh, a student?
2: Yeah, I actually had one. Um, I had a couple. I had one my sophomore year, which was through the BU Study Abroad program in London, and that was more of an event planning type of role, but it was at a public policy organization or related organization that sort of hosted public policy events in London.
1: That's great. And when you were starting to think about life after graduation, you know, what were some of the earliest thoughts that you had? Uh, What were you thinking about pursuing? And then how did you go about kind of navigating that very first job search post BU?
2: Yeah. So I think I was very fortunate to know people who worked in the industry I currently work in. Uh, So I already had a clear sense of the types of roles I wanted to pursue. But, you know, even if you don't know that, I think what is important is having a network of people uh, who support you or who know, you know, what you might be good at and try to help connect you to those opportunities. Uh, And, you know, I think a lot of finding one's professional career has to do with chatting to people about what's out there. You might not know some opportunity might be a great fit for you unless somebody mentions it. I think I may be a little bit more unique where I kind of had a goal I wanted to achieve already in terms of the the type of role I wanted, but that doesn't mean uh, you know, you're know you a lost hope if, if you don't. Uh, and I think that it's actually even can be more exciting to kind of take that approach uh, that you're you know, staying open minded and and talking to different types of people about about what they like to do or what they think you might be good at.
1: Yeah, and so when you're thinking back on that that goal, you had that goal in mind of what you wanted to achieve after graduation. Did you know that that goal would bring you to New York?
2: I did, or I, I had a strong sense. <laughs> but uh, you know, New York is the financial center uh, of markets in the U S and so there are, there's just a lot of opportunities here, but it was also a bit self-imposed because truthfully, I didn't have a job, uh, by the time of graduation, because, you know, part of that was, I was being a little bit you know picky because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, and I didn't do those typical wall street summer internships that, that tend to get you the offer before graduation. So I, I decided to move to New York for an unpaid internship just to kind of get myself in the door of the finance industry. And fortunately, my brother let me crash on the couch for that for that summer. But that ended up landing me my first full-time job uh, by the end of the summer as well. So it was it was a little bit self-imposed, but New York is also one of the best cities to be in, uh, at least in the finance industry on this side of the coast.
1: That's incredible to kind of take that leap of faith to know that you have this goal in mind and, you know, being able to take on that unpaid internship as your very first step. I think that's that's really great. And it's not necessarily the traditional path for people who are in your position. But tell me more about what that position was like. What were the types of things that you were doing?
2: Yeah, so it was um, basically just an intern at a small investment fund. So they invested in corporate credit. And so, you know, it was a lot of sitting at a Desk and you know following market price action, price movements. Uh, you know I'm sure you hear that markets move a lot. Um, so kind of staying on top of that and sort of understanding what's driving that. Um, you know sometimes uh, economic data releases um, like job growth in the U.S. can drive market moves. Sometimes it's a political event. So kind of uh, having that macro analytical approach was one part of it. And then also sort of diving into specific companies and seeing whether, you know, it looked like one that would continue to grow or maybe wasn't growing as well, and, and whether it was one worth investing in or not.
1: Yeah, and as you are thinking about applying what you were learning at BU in this first role, was there anything that you learned at BU that once you got into this first position and out into the quote unquote real world worked differently than you were expecting?
2: Actually, you know, I think I was pleasantly surprised that I felt uh, pretty well equipped uh, in the professional world from my experience at BU. I mean, particularly the emphasis on Excel and um, the use of statistical programming packages in my classes, I really felt like I had the skill set or at least the technical skills uh, that I needed to to do well. And uh, that was certainly a pleasant surprise.
1: That's awesome. We love to hear that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so as you were transitioning from the internship, can you tell me a little bit about what that process was like into your first paid job?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think being proactive is really important uh, at any stage of your career when you're looking to transition to a new job. So, you know, I had this internship that I obviously wanted to do well at, um, but it wasn't exactly the right fit for me in terms of what I wanted to do. It was a little bit more micro research uh, than sort of the macro research I do today. Um, And so, you know, I would work for those 10 to 12 hours a day and give it my all. And then I'd go home and apply to jobs online or talk to people uh, and let them know that I'm still looking for for new opportunities if they've heard anything to let me know. And, uh, you know, after about a month or so, then I heard about uh, an interesting, a great opportunity. And actually thinking back now, I had a, had a number of interviews, but I feel like when it rains, it pours. So in the beginning, it felt like there was no chance of me getting a job. And then close to the end of the internship, I had a number of interviews and fortunately then got an amazing opportunity at the end.
1: Is there anything that you would have told your um, maybe junior or senior year self to do differently as you look at how those earliest years of your career played out?
2: yeah i think um number one not being hard on yourself i think a lot of us can do that um especially when we're trying to um you know succeed in whatever that definition that is to to each person uh and uh especially like i mentioned when it was sort of taking a while to find interesting opportunities i thought oh maybe it's me maybe i'll never get what I what i'm looking for maybe my standards are you know uh or you know, what I think I want is, is unachievable, but um, I think just keeping that positive attitude and believing in yourself can really make a difference because it also makes the search more fun uh, and kind of gives you that stamina to get through it because it can be very challenging to search for, for a job, especially when it's right out of school. And especially if most of your friends already have things lined up, which, um, you know, certainly was another pressure, self-imposed pressure I was facing that, you know, I think I would have told myself to to not worry about as much. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy that ultimately I didn't accept a job opportunity I was considering back in Boston, actually, just because, you know, I wanted to be able to say I had a job. And and so I think looking back, I'm so happy that that I took that risk. And I just hope that people aren't that hard on themselves and, and that they really uh, believe in themselves because, you know, whatever you want to achieve, you can. Uh, the one thing is usually you need help <laughs> of others. So the network and and just people in general who are supportive of you and want to, want to see you succeed, I think is very important.
1: That's really great advice. I think that will resonate with a lot of our listeners, the importance of, you know, leaning on that that network and not being afraid to ask for help when you need it. So we've heard a little bit about your BU experience, heard a little bit about this uh, first internship experience and that transition to your your first job. Uh, Can you kind of bring us up to speed to to where you are today and uh, how you've arrived at the position that you currently have?
2: Yeah, so um, I currently work in the research department uh, of Goldman Sachs, and I've been there for about five years now. So I've been an economist there. I started out on the US and global economics team, and now I'm, I focus more specifically on currency markets. Um, and so that was sort of a, a transition I made about a couple of years ago. But prior to that, um, I was working uh, at an investment fund, and uh, you know, I just reached a point there where, it was actually a bit hard to think about leaving because I really loved it there. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved the work that I was doing and I felt like I was doing it well. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to leave sort of a comfortable sort of situation that you have like that. Uh, but then I, I realized that I wanted to... Uh, Grow and develop my career a little bit more than would have been possible in that, in that seat. So, so that's when I decided to apply elsewhere and fortunately found the incredible opportunity uh, at Goldman.
1: So as you kind of look at your time at Goldman, especially, um, it it looks like you've been able to move through the ranks um, pretty quickly. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about what you've learned about, you know, keeping your career moving forward, keeping that momentum going? um, And how do you know when it's time to apply to your next role?
2: the characteristics that I think people have that tend to succeed, at least in in this type of seat that I'm in. um, I think there are many different types of characteristics, but the one that have um, been told to me or given to me as positive feedback are having a really strong work ethic and being a reliable team member. And, you know, especially in uh, markets facing role, things can change really quickly. And it's very important uh, for people to, know that if there's work to be done and uh, sometimes uh, a large amount of work at sort of an unexpected time uh, that you'll be there and that you'll, you'll be there to contribute and do the work well. And uh, so that, that's been, uh, I think, sort of my motivating factor throughout, factors throughout my career uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm always uh, maintaining that, that strong work ethic uh, and also uh, being viewed as a reliable team members. So, um, you know, I think part of having a hard work ethic comes with doing something you're passionate about. And, um, you know, every job isn't perfect. (laughs) And so there are harder days and there are easier days. But uh, I think if you're passionate about what you're doing, the harder days feel relatively easy um, in the grand scheme of things, at least. So, um, I think that's, that's important. And, um, in terms of when, you know, when to know when to transition roles, I think it's really, it comes down back to that passion point. Like if you feel that what you're doing in your, um, specific seat, isn't what you see yourself doing 20 years from now, I know that's a long time, but, you know, just to kind of be, um, be more, um can't think of the word right now, but to, just to make that point, especially clear, you know, if it's not something you can see yourself doing, um, for a long time, then, uh, maybe it might be worth considering something else. Um, and also, you know, this wasn't so much the case, uh, for me, but in general, I like to make sure that I'm continuously learning, um, and growing, uh, in my role. And so, you know, if you don't feel that way, I think that that's an important time, uh, to Maybe reconsider uh, or start looking for other opportunities.
1: And one of the things that struck me uh, when you were reflecting on your time at BU was, you know taking time to talk to different people about, you know, what they see as some of your strengths and, you know, whether those people are mentors or friends or family. Uh, I'm wondering, have you found uh, that there are similar people who you can uh, reach out to and lean on, um, maybe look to for advice or guidance uh, as you've um, kind of grown in your role at Goldman?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I think that that's an important part of career development as well. You know, having mentors or role models, uh, particularly ones that either you work with or um, understand the type of role that you have, I I think that's really an important part um, of growing in any industry. And I feel very grateful to say that I have, uh, you know, a number of mentors and, um, and role models.
1: And so it it sounds like it's been a uh, not necessarily a linear path for you since you graduated from BU Um, but I'm wondering as you have kind of navigated um, the different areas of focus in your time at Goldman um, you know what are the things that have been uh, most exciting uh, about your your job what are the things that kind of um, fuel that passion and that fire for you Um, have you found that those have have evolved over time?
2: You know, there are so many uh, that I'm not sure there's a clear uh, a clear way to say that it's evolved or not. But, um, you know, I the reason I love going to work every day uh, is the is getting to speak to the people that I speak to throughout the day, um, not only in Goldman, but also outside of Goldman. Um, you know, I'm in a client facing position as well. And um I just really enjoy interacting with people and talking to people about interesting topics and research questions. Um, and you know going back to my specific job at Goldman, I think the research department is um, one that feels like uh, an academic type of environment, which is something I'm very grateful for. you know there's a very very strong culture of collaboration, not only, uh, in research, also across the firm. but um, you know specifically in research, people enjoy the opportunity to discuss any sort of research topic that we think would be relevant uh, to our clients. And I think that that that's something that really makes me excited about going into the office every day, the with the prospect of learning something new or hearing a different perspective or really being able to to produce that worthwhile research that, you know, adds value to our clients or just answers an interesting question.
1: And so as you're thinking about your research and the the questions that you're asking, when you look forward um, to the next 10 years, 25 years, 50 years, what are the questions that you're excited about pursuing? Uh,
2: that's, a, that's a good one. Um, well, you know, I think one one part of the industry that uh, excites me is the growth of impact investing, and um, you know, so that's about using capital to um, promote organizations or um, other sort of assets that uh, have an environmental or social component to it. Um, and so that's been growing uh, pretty substantially over the last few years. And I think that that's that's a trend that will uh, continue to grow over time. And even global central banks are exploring the issue um, related to, to climate change and you know if that should impact sort of uh, the, the asset purchases they make uh, or uh, you know, in, in their policy tools, if they should take those types of um, considerations uh, into account. So I think that that's uh, a really great and interesting part of uh, the industry that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how it evolves.
1: That's great. And, you know, as we're coming up on on the end of the time we have today, I would be remiss if I didn't congratulate you. Recently, you were named one of Forbes 30 Under 30. So congratulations on that.
2: Thank you very much.
1: I'm wondering, you know, what was it like to... Open the email or hear the news for the first time? And what do you think it's going to mean for your career moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, pretty amazing. It's uh, a big honor, and I feel very grateful to have been named to the list. Um, What's fascinating is they don't actually email you um, before the list comes out. So, you know, you can see it online before uh, you eventually get a congratulatory email. Uh, So, I was setting my expectations very low, of course, um, and just decided to kind of check the list when it came out uh, in the morning and then, uh, you know, saw some summary descriptions about uh, the class of 2020 and thought to myself, okay, you know, some of those apply to me, some of those don't, like, "Eh, probably not. Uh, So then I, you know, was scrolling through the photos, because for some reason on the mobile phone, it defaulted to the photos rather than names. Uh, And then I saw my own. (laughs) And it was a very bizarre experience, (laughs) to be honest, but uh, obviously felt uh, pretty cool. And uh, again, just very honored especially relative to the other uh people who were named to the to the class this year and have been in the past and uh also my fellow uh terriers to see on that list is also a great addition
1: we are certainly very proud of all of those terriers who made the list, and we were thrilled to see your name uh, on there as well. So I think they described them as, you know, trailblazers. Do you see yourself as a trailblazer? And uh, if so, what's the trail that you hope you're blazing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> it's hard. Um I I would love to be a trailblazer, but I think uh, the, the way that I would like to is maybe more more simple than just in terms of my career. I mean, what I think is really important to me is interacting with other people and trying to impact them positively uh, in any way that I can. And so um, if I can continue to do that throughout my career and my life, um, you know, that, that would be uh, trailblazing for me. You know, I think a lot of incredibly successful people don't get these kinds of recognition, and I think that that's uh, important to acknowledge. But um, certainly, when uh, you get something like this, it's uh, it's an honor, and um, you know, I, I hope that I can use this platform that I now have um, to to do positive things uh, in, in the world. <laughs>
1: That's great. And we have absolutely no doubt that you, you certainly will. Um, so before I let you go, um, do you feel like this is the perfect job for you? Do you feel like you found your calling? And do you have any last, maybe parting words of wisdom for uh, other people out there who might be looking for that calling?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel really lucky uh, to be able to say that I love going to work every day. Um, Each day is really so different in terms of what happens in the world and how it affects markets. Um, but then there's also a consistency of constantly learning and interacting with others, as I know I've said a few times already, but really that is what fuels me. Um, I'm an extrovert, which uh, you know I learned from my Myers-Briggs test, in uh, which I'm sure you know from your Questrom uh, experience. But yeah, for others who are looking for their calling, I think sort of thinking about that question uh, about what gets you up out of bed in the morning, uh, is, is the way that I think about it. And, um, if you can really focus on that and on what makes you not only happy, but you feel in not necessarily enlightens you, but, you know, helps you grow as an individual. Um, I think that, that that's what you want to be doing.
1: Well, Karen, I can't thank you enough for the time that you shared with us today. Again, congratulations on the Forbes 30 Under 30. And again, we're, we're so grateful for your time. And uh, uh, thanks for being part of Proud to Be You.
2: Of course. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure.
1: My thanks once again to Karen for joining me on the podcast. It was great to hear her perspective. And I really appreciated her advice for all those who are experiencing uncertainty when considering their next steps. Take a look at the show notes of this episode for a link to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And you'll also find a link to the BU Today article highlighting all nine terriers who made the cut.
0: Nice job, Dan. And my thanks to Karen as well for being part of Proud to Be You. I had the pleasure of knowing Karen when she was a student working in the student activities office. And it makes me so happy to see her achieving such great success and fulfillment in her career. Congratulations, Karen. I'm so proud to know you. On behalf of everyone on the BU Alumni Relations team, thanks so much for listening to Proud to Be You. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you find your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about Proud to Be BU, visit bu.edu/alumni/podcast.